0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovation Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Jim Kirkpatrick about the role of training and evaluation in organizations currently, and how things may change to respond to the shifting future of work. Kurt Patrick. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Glad to be here. It's really wonderful and, uh, to have the opportunity to talk with you. Uh, today we're going to be talking about training and evaluation and shifts that may occur as we come out of this pandemic and the future of work and I really appreciate your expertise in this field uh, and I, I believe you will be able to have a really great discussion. Jim Kirkpatrick is co owner of Kirkpatrick Partners. He's a visionary and an expert in training evaluation and the creator of the New World Kirkpatrick model. Using his 15 years of corporate experience, Jim trains and consults for organizations around the world. He is passionate about assisting learning professionals and redefining themselves as strategic business partners. Jim delivers keynote addresses and conducts workshops on topics including maximizing business results, creating powerful training and evaluation strategies and Building and Leveraging Business Partnerships. Jim co-authored three books with his father, Don Kirkpatrick, the creator of the Kirkpatrick model, and four books with Wendy Kirkpatrick, including Kirkpatrick's four levels of training evaluation. Jim and Wendy also serve as a subject matter experts for the United States Office of Personnel Management's Training Evaluation Field Guide. You can read more about Kirkpatrick partners at Kirkpatrickpartners.com. Uh, what a wonderful background and I- I'm so excited, as someone who comes originally from the uh, training and development field myself, uh, oh. I, I really look oh. forward to having this opportunity to have a great discussion with you.
1: Well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't call me a thought leader. That uh, is a <laughs> rather, you know, a very popular kind of thing. Thought leader is, oh, I got a lot of ideas in my head. I, I'm not, I, I've got a lot of ideas, but I'm more of an action leader. I like to turn those ideas into something useful for people that they can act on, rather than just sitting around in my big chair thinking about things all day. So I'm I'm glad you left that part out. I'm going to probably stricken that from my bio anyway. Still so <laughs> appreciate that.
0: <laughs> no, but but truly, uh, you, you bring a lot of uh, experience and expertise um, to this discussion, and. I, it sounds like we're both firm believers in the, the importance and the value of evaluation in the training process. Uh, I've seen so many times where organizations try to slap a Band-Aid on a really big problem through introducing some new training and in, and then they're surprised that nothing really changes, nothing really happens. And because really they're just playing whack-a-mole with, with their training, right? And so instead of addressing deeper, more systemic problems, or really providing the type of training that's going to help, they, they, do, um, they have offerings that just aren't effective. And oftentimes organizations simply aren't even assessing or evaluating the value of their training. Uh, so there's a lot of work to be done in that area in most organizations.
1: And you know, Jonathan, when people ask me, what's, what's our biggest challenge to overcome? You may be surprised to hear that it is the Kirkpatrick model. The traditional Kirkpatrick model has been around for 60 years. That, for some reason and different reasons, that led to believing that you operationalize the model with a smile sheet after the, the class, a test of knowledge after the class, and a 60 or 90 day survey to see what's going on. And when people say they're uh, that's what they do, they're they're doing Kirkpatrick. I say, well. That may be a traditional Kirkpatrick, but that's not Jim Kirkpatrick. That's not the new world Kirkpatrick. And it, it really is so ineffective. It's, it is, you said, you said it yourself. It, it would be like um, what you mentioned the pandemic and, and COVID-19 it, it, it would be akin to, Oh, let's train people on how to wear their mask and what six feet looks like and how to, how to wash their hands for you know, two minutes or more, let's send it, let's train them that. And then let's just let it work. It's magic. Well, and then they're surprised that something like that doesn't work. You can tell. And I think this pandemic is a, is a story about how to implement effective evaluation and, you know, and maybe I'll get into that a little bit more later, but it it must be an ongoing kind of thing. And for a while, there was a daily, daily thing where, uh, you know, Fauci and and uh, Deborah Burks, they weren't training us. They were constantly telling us, "You've got to wash your hands. You've got to distance, and you've got to wear masks." Over and over again, focusing on the behaviors, an ongoing uh, ongoing process rather than event-based. And then looking at what what results are we seeing? Are we seeing f- fewer deaths? <clears throat> are we seeing fewer hospitalizations? in order to ultimately flatten the curve. That is a a poster, an excellent poster of what we consider the new world Kirkpatrick. It's far different from what people have been executing and still are to this day.
0: Well, good. And and let's start there. Um, Some of the listeners may be familiar with the Kirkpatrick model, but others may not. So can you take a few minutes and and briefly provide an overview of, of what that's all about?
1: Yes. Well, uh, Contrary to popular uh, opinion and popular action, Kirkpatrick starts with level four. It's the highest level. It is the results that we're looking for. And it targeted results that are the intent of, you know, the major programs that people are tasked with implementing. Well, you can't get those results unless people are actually performing their job better, which is Kirkpatrick level three uh, application of of the, the, the behaviors. And uh, you've got to figure out how can we get them to do what they're supposed to do in order to get to level four results. And then, and only then do we back up again and look at level two learning. What type of education and learning and training do they need in order to perform their job in order to get the results? And how do we deliver that? Which is Kirkpatrick level one reaction. And right now, you know, the whole world is going about uh, trying to convert classroom training into virtual training, thinking that uh, that that's the answer. Well, it's part of the answer because you know who knows if ever we'll be congregating again in big classrooms. Uh, and and so that's that's what uh, the four levels are. Uh, it's level four as results, backing up level three behavior, level two learning, and level one reaction.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. I appreciate the overview. And there's lots of different training models out there. And, um, uh, the ADDIE model is a common, uh, curriculum design model. Um, Mm -hmm. and in all of them, well, at least any of the good ones, they refer to, um, the, the need to align objectives of the training with assessment of the training. Right. Um, and what you just described is the same thing. Like we're, we're trying, um, we're trying to make sure that we're having clear uh, connection of the learned material in whatever in whatever delivery modality that that occurs, um, connection of the learned material back to actual workplace performance uh, to increase productivity sales or whatever the, the ROI outcome is that's attached and, and what I see so often, I'm sure you see the same thing what I see so often is even if an organization they have this training and they have clear objectives and they align it with a metric, um, even when they do that, and, and most don't. But even if they do that, um, they often never do the follow up, and so they they they'll do something simple like you mentioned a few minutes ago. They'll they'll do a, a basic post training survey about training satisfaction, and maybe they'll do something a month later you know, to see if there's any sort of ROI impact, but very few organizations do anything robustly to assess and connect back the outcomes back to the objectives of the original training. And it's a travesty. Like It's just such a complete and utter waste of time and resources when, yes. you're, churning, when you're churning out these trainings with no follow-up. It and blows. It kind of blows my mind.
1: It does, and it. But you know what? It's been blowing my mind for years. But um, I, I figured out some things about that. Um, what, what, what people are ignoring is two simple words: human nature. If they think they're going to train somebody and have them demonstrate it in class, say, "See, they're they're ready to go," and you turn them back to their environment. Human nature will defeat us every time unless we stack the deck against it because human nature is that we are not, for the most part, disciplined, self-disciplined people. We like to do what's familiar and comfortable, and unless there's somebody or something waiting on the other side of the bridge when they get back from training saying, welcome back, now let's get to work. Let's let's get to you know communities of practice and what you're talking about, the reinforcement, the support afterwards that the research says 88 or 90% of people will slide back to doing what they were doing before. And then people are training people, they say, oh, well guess what's the first one to be cut is training. It's because it's our own fault. It's the industry's own fault because they have not made a business case or connections with a business to be business partners and say, without this important follow-up to the training, it's gonna go down the black hole. And I'll tell you, Kirkpatrick, you're isn't going down without a fight. We are doing what we can to say you've got to be learning and performance consultants. Otherwise you're going to be replaced by avatars and apps and, and who knows what all. And and it's a travesty because the hundreds of thousands of trainers have lost their job and they just say, that's the way it is. It doesn't have to be that way. It is the failure to connect strategically with business leaders and tactically with supervisors and managers.
0: Yeah, and I like the way you frame that in terms of training is not just about creating and delivering the training. You're training and performance consultants. Training, um, is you should only use training if and when there's a gap, some sort of a skills or performance gap that has to be addressed, and then the training should fill the gap. And if it's not filling the gap, then it's not necessary. And if we can't show, like it's one, sometimes training does fill the gap, but if we're not doing anything to demonstrate and show how it's filling the gap, then it's our own fault for, exactly. not, for not actually um, doing, we, we've already done all of this work. We've done 90% of the work and we just need to do that last little bit to, to, to close the loop and to put a bookend on it and to demonstrate the ROI and to, clo- and to, to uh, demonstrate the value. And so many just don't do that last bit, um, sometimes because they don't know how, sometimes they're, they're nervous about the, um, you know, using quantitative methods, or I mean, there's a variety of reasons why people may not choose to do that. But ultimately, it, it, it needs to happen. And when it doesn't happen, and training gets cut, it's re- like you said, it's really our own fault.
1: And you know, I have figured out, I think pretty clearly, exactly what you're getting at, what are the reasons people avoid that? One is they have the excuses, oh, level three is too difficult, it, it's too expensive, and we can't control what happens when people leave our precious classrooms. Well, the first two are just lies. They're not true at all. The third one, yes, you can't control it, but you need to influence the behavior. You know, So they say, we can't control it, so we're just going to control our training environment. Well, they can con- control themselves right out of their job. The second issue is level three, the the workplace is a minefield, because if people start going in there and doing some honest evaluation rather than just a survey, they start talking to people, they start looking at uh, quality metrics, uh, they start making a science out of it. A lot of times the performance data is not favorable. And guess what? A lot of the supervisors and managers say, go back to where you belong, you're making us look bad. But of course the whole purpose of level three is to get honest, accurate, truthful information in order to make decisions. You know, we make draw conclusions, we make recommendations, and leaders make decisions on how to improve performance. But we've got to get this mindset that that level three is an evil place and a very dangerous place to go because people are bypassing it. Hopefully that their training is powerful enough to jump over level three into some kind of results. and to be honest a lot of the a lot of even our associations and and different things are still promoting the hope that the, if you make the training fancy enough and pretty enough and the games the fun enough eventually it will win the day it hasn't it isn't and it never will but that's where the money is there isn't a whole lot of money in the follow up you know that's just a lot of hard work and community of practice and things but the money as far as the you know the new uh, competency models and learning management systems and the fancy training and all that stuff. There's money there, and, and unfortunately, to some degree, our industry is following the money right off the cliff. And I know I'm being real, real bold about this, and I'm not singling anybody out, but there is still that hope that if we just make, make it look good enough, it will work. And yeah, and that that COVID is not going to go away. Through pretty training and through yeah. competency models, it's going to it's going to go away, or or we'll blast it out of here through the compliance with the critical behaviors, the performance of what people do is going to determine how quickly we get that thing out of here.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so from your vantage point, what do you, as you look into the future? Obviously, we don't have a crystal ball, but as you look into the future, you have all of this. Um, this track record and experience in the field, where do you think see things moving and shifting as training evolves and moves, okay. into, moves into the future? You know what, to be
1: honest, I don't mean to be arrogant about this, but I have a, a pretty good crystal ball just because of the number of people that talk to me about what they're doing. I happen to be in a unique situation globally where I, I'm i constantly finding out what are you doing, what's working and what isn't. And what will work is where organizations and training functions, I call them learning and performance functions, will be working on performance needs because we will no longer have the luxury. The organizations that will survive the pandemic and will thrive in it will be the ones that focus on performance and not a lot of the fluff up front, up front because there's no room for that anymore. For instance, we work with a, a major consulting firm. It's one of the three biggest in the world. They have an academy. and I, I asked them what Tell tell me about your academy. They said it's primarily video between three and ten minutes. I said, Well, where's your classroom? They said, We don't have it. Where where are your long training programs? They say we don't have that. We are giving people what they need when they need it to do their job better. And those are going to be the ones that are going to thrive. But there's a lot of people out there that are rapidly converting classroom training into virtual training, which is important, but it's not sufficient. And they're going to come up with all the virtual training still disconnected from performance and even further disconnected from the the mission and the results of the organization. And all I can say is they better get their resume uh, cleaned up because they're, and I know I'm, I'm shooting my mouth off here a lot, Jonathan, but you've got to connect with performance because that is what is meaningful and, um, uh, yeah, meaningful to people in the business, to managers and supervisors. You've got to show that you're helping them do their people better, which will lead to the results, or they're going to continue to say, we can do without this.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and you pointed to the example of uh, just-in-time training, you know, that yeah. some of these larger firms are moving towards, where, but they're doing, the way it works is it connects, it identifies a gap in performance yes. in, real, in real time. And then it shoots um, training off to them in in terms of like remediation or, or or new knowledge, new skills that need to be developed so they can improve their performance. And it's done in small chunks and then there's follow up, Right. So it's not like, it's not like they're just, you know, I, I was part of an organization years ago where they had this repository of just all these videos. Right. And they said, that's their training Academy. Go in on your free time, decide what you want to look at. There's like, you know, a thousand hours worth of videos. That's not what you're talking about. (laughs) That's only half of
1: it. You're right. That's only part of it. Because I can go look at a video, but unless somebody is either standing next to me and say, I'm here to encourage you to do that, or somebody or something is standing next to me saying, this is non-negotiable. This is about security. This is about safety. This is about our mission. We need to find a way to get you to do that. Without that, uh, it's going to be just a video library. You're right.
0: Yeah, so I, what, what would your suggestion be to organizations in this time of COVID where budgets are tight, organizations are trying to just stay afloat, but they still want to invest in their people. So what would you recommend to organizations trying to get the most out of their training budget?
1: Well, it would be uh, Stephen Covey, Covey. I think one of his, I know one of his seven habits, I think it's the fourth habit, is to seek first to understand before you seek to be understood and I think we're we're a very uh, well-meaning industry where we want to help people, but we're so quick to do the A and the Addy, which is, a, is assessment. Uh, we we spend a, just a few minutes doing that, and then we start peddling our wares, our competency models, our skills gaps closure, you know, uh, our learning solutions, all those kind of things. We should make sure, to whatever degree we can, now human to human, we spend time with the program sponsors and stakeholders, whoever we can get, and just say, hey, can tell me about what's going on, you know, what, what challenges, and avoid the temptation to say, hey, we got something for that. We got a time management training we can throw at them. You've got to ask the second question. More about that, more about that. What makes you think that's problematic? What do you see as the risks of not dealing with that? And same with these bridges uh, seeking first understand from supervisors and managers. What are the challenges, the performance challenges? What are the morale challenges you're facing? And ask the second question and the third. And mm, resist the temptation to jump in with a solution. And what happens, and these well-performing companies are already telling me, is after they've demonstrated that they're gonna be patient enough to listen and understand and have given that other person a chance to, to share their needs, you know what they're saying? do you have something that can help us? And then the answer is, you know what, as a matter of fact, I think we do. But you earn the right by first listening and understanding, and then you have a much better idea about what are the real results needs and performance needs so you can target that video library or whatever it is and say, well, all right, we got two components to this. One is we can can bring in a training in partnership with you guys, to make sure they know how to do it and they can do it. And second of all, together we will build a post-training package that's designed to make sure that it happens. And then, so that we don't look like we're the grim reaper out there all the time looking for who's not doing it, we are not only looking for that, people that have barriers, but who are the people that are jumping ahead and climbing the mountain higher so we can capture them find out what they're doing and implement those things. So we're not just, you know, going in there and and finding bad things. The the benefit of that is, for instance, Jonathan, if you're you're one of the senior leaders and I always come to you and say, well, here's another list of the people that aren't doing their job. Pretty soon you're going to say, I don't want to see Kirkpatrick anymore. All he does is bring bad news. But I'd first say, here are a list of people that are the bright lights and the shining stars. We're learning a lot from them. And oh, by the way, there are some that are still struggling and we think we can help them partly from the light that the others are shining. And what that does is that shines a positive light on you as a leader, rather than me, you know, coming with all this bad news. And eventually you're saying, this is tarnishing my reputation, Kirkpatrick, go go talk to somebody else. That's what I think needs yeah. to happen. And you said it, it's about tying the performance and the follow up. And then monitoring and adjusting progress along the way. That's what's happening with COVID 19. they Right away, they thought it was the ventilators was the whole solution. Everyone's fighting for ventilators. Well, they, they came to find out that sometimes the ventilators are doing more harm than the good, and they had to fine tune it to the, the, the mass and the social distancing and, and other things. But over time, with good evaluation in the field, you find out how do we fine tune this performance training and the follow-up package in order to maximize whether it's, you know, lowering the, the, the grid or maximizing results.
0: Yeah. And I love how you frame it in terms of the, the those conversations that you have with um, the organization early on. That yes. It's, it's less of a conversation. Honestly, it's more of a listening session.
1: Yeah, and that's the A and the Addy model. That's what it should be. Yeah. Of course you come up with conclusions at the end and targets but that's what the a and the adding model, this is just going in and saying, well, what keeps you up at night? Thank you. Now I can't wait to rush back and do my DDI, design, develop, and implement my training package. That's yeah. not what.
0: And, and what so often happens when consultants and trainers, they'll go into an organization, they'll start to have that initial conversation. And then as soon as they hear a problem that fits with one of their products, then they immediately move to that solution, quote unquote, that, that is the solution to the problem. And ra- wha- rather than taking the time to actually listen and learn and really figure out what the deeper issues are, they just start to play whack-a-mole. They start to try to plug holes and they start That's to right. try to just sell right. their products rather than, and, and they don't realize that they're hurting themselves. It's, it's not about sales up front. It's about, it's about improving performance, improving the outcomes. And if you're doing that, they're, they're going to be repeat customers and they're going to want more of your stuff.
1: And that's the word of mouth that spreads. They'll say Jonathan really helped help that we had some performance issues and, and him and yeah, his training and all that, they really helped with that. And that word spreads. And when others are saying, Why are why are we getting phone calls from managers that are saying, Can you cut the training from four days to two days? where they don't hear from them anymore? It's because they have not made any business case that what they're doing is adding value. It's just costing them money for training and time from people going away from their work. And it's, it's a suicide. It's lemming going off the cliff. And it's uh, people following tradition without really giving it thought. And, and it's, it's, uh, we, we want people to be intelligent about evaluation and purposeful, like they are with the, like, uh, um, blended learning. When that's done right, it's brilliant. You know, what are the different methods that we can use to help different people learn? It's great. Evaluation should be the same. It should be blended evaluation. What kind of methods and tools can we use to inspire and and determine what's happening in the field and in the classroom? But there's no survey or no test that's gonna give you nearly enough information to make any kind of intelligent decisions. Or conclusions.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, Jim, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I, I fear we're about out of time, um, okay. but I hope that we could perhaps have the opportunity to talk again in the future. Uh, perhaps as we start to come out of some of the COVID restrictions and, and we start to get a grapple on this and start to see how the world has changed around training, um, that would be a good time to have another discussion.
1: I would, I would like that. And if people want to know more about uh, what I'm talking about, we've got an easy website to find Kirkpatrickpartners.com. And there's over a hundred free resources on there, white papers and things. And uh, you you can tell, hopefully people watching us can tell that you and I are regular guys, right? Talking about uh, things, but this is about lives and this is about uh, well-meaning people. It isn't just academic scholarly discussion. And if they want to talk to me or, you know, any of us at Kirkpatrick partners, we're, more than willing to have these same kind of conversations and be as helpful as we can.
0: Wonderful, and I will add your website to the show notes so people can easily find you, and as well as uh, connect with you on LinkedIn. I encourage listeners to to look up Jim and see what uh, Kirkpatrick Partners might be able to do for you. Uh, it's truly been a pleasure chatting with you, and I wish you the best and hope you have a great rest of your week.
1: Okay, you too. Thanks a lot, Jonathan.
0: Thank you. Bye bye.